It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app. It is just after 5 o'clock, and on this show, that means it's time for Not My Beat. Today's top story, from the perspective of someone who's there. You are looking live. This just in. Not My Beat. Today, it is our pleasure to welcome back to the show our good friend David Aldridge, of course, senior writer at The Athletic. Uh, had the pleasure of sitting next to DA at the press conference on Sunday. And uh, DA, the pleasure was was getting to sit next to you and, and chat for a little bit, not not what we witnessed, just to be very, very clear. Because yeah. uh, that yes, was very much so. Mm-hmm. That, was, that was ugly. They gave up four. It, it's 90 to 25 over the last two games, DA. It's uh, it's not. It's not great, um, and I, I think a lot of us have started kind of looking towards the offseason and um, you know how much hope do you have for that. We're doing the Sam Howell bit. What's the most interesting thing to you for the next five weeks, by and then the four games? Oh, man. I mean, I, Craig, it's a good question. I, I You know, I, try, I, I kind of – I'm not really sure that there's a whole lot that is left for me to – see about this team like you know you can kind of know what this team is and where they are it's not like they have seven guys that have been on the practice squad earlier and i can't wait to see them play like you know what i mean like yeah I mean, they could they could incorporate Colter a little bit more i'd like to maybe see what he could do um there's a few guys but you know their receivers are their receivers their backs are their backs their line is their line um both lines there's no hidden gems anywhere. Um, so it's it's really more just a matter, I think, of do we have enough information on Sam Hill? I mean, I think we have a lot now. Is it enough? I mean, if he was great the last four games, would that change materially what most people think of him and, and his potential? Uh, and conversely, if he was awful the last four games, would that, would that cement what people think of him? Um, Maybe there's some wiggle room with Sam, um, but I think. Well, I'll just speak for myself. It's just hard for me to find something to go. Boy, I can't wait to see this. I can't wait to see how that how they handle this the last four games. I think we we kind of have our answer. Like it's pretty clear that they're what we thought was going to be a contending team. We were. I think most of us were way wrong. Um, Unless they contending on me for a Super Bowl, but I just mean for like a wild card play, you know. Right, right. Um, I thought, well, you know, this I think this team could win nine games, you know, or eight games, something in there, right? Right. That's certainly where I was. Yeah. Um, and so nine and eight probably gets you in, right? Um, or eight and nine gets you close. So I thought they were in there somewhere. Uh and the fact that they have been just so the the collapse of the defense to me is staggering. It's just staggering to me that this group that again it's it's not like we were grasping at straws at the beginning of the year. They were coming off a top ten, top five level play defensively last year. And they were returning just about everybody and a healthy Chase Young. So I don't know, of course you would think they're gonna take a big step. And they took three steps in the opposite direction and it's crazy. What well, I want to circle back to the Howell thing because I think that's certainly the most interesting and probably the most relevant as well. But like, 
now now that it feels like the the book has been written on this defense, I mean, I I'm just hoping Rivera can get it to a place. Miami, like, throw it out. They're they're Miami offensively. They're great. Right. It, you yeah. know, whatever. But like, I hope I that mean, we can get a better feel for some of these guys in a simpler defense over these last four games. That is my very right. very uh, low bar of hope. But as we as we look back on the book that's written about where this defense went wrong, like where where do you think that one starts and ends? Well, I'm going to start by pushing back just a little bit on it. And that's, I think that's part of the problem with this organization. Is you go, well, Miami's really good. Yeah, Miami's good. Yeah, they're a good team. You have to beat good teams too. For sure. I just mean it like if I'm going to evaluate Quan Martin based off of week one in Rivera's defense against Miami implemented midseason, like I'm not – I'm only going to put so much stock in that compared to does he improve over the next four? Yeah, but there's a difference between fighting and competing and and losing 27 to 17 or something like that and just getting boat raced at home again. You know, and look, Miami's good. I'm not saying they're not good. Dallas is good. But you you still can – there's teams that have competed with those two teams this year that aren't 12-1. and You know, and and have, and have and have put some good tape on. That was just that was a give up to me. Like, oh, we can't we can't compete with them. There's nothing we can do, and that's part of the problem here. I think is there's just a lot. It was a lot of give up. Um, so you know, defensively, what's going wrong? I mean, it just start. I just think the secondary just they just took a major step backwards this year. And I'm not I'm not going to assign a percentage of who's responsible. How much of it is the scheme is just way too complicated for them, and how much of it is they're playing two rookies a lot. You know, they drafted two rookies and played them, and they weren't ready. Um, and how much of it is, you know, losing your starting safety early in the season that you were counting on and really not replacing him in a, in a way that was effective. I mean, and how much of it is Chase Young wasn't, didn't play like we thought he would coming, you know, being healthy and wasn't as impactful. I mean, it's, it's probably all of that, right? I mean, it's a lot. It's, it's probably so. And the linebackers, I mean, again, I'm not, I'm not singling out Jamin Davis. He's had some really effective moments, you know, in the run game, especially he's, he's been nice in terms of fit and where he needs to be. And, um, but the coverage is just not there. It's not there. It gets hunted every week. It's like a pick and roll in the NBA. They hunt him every week with some with a circle pattern or some sort of wheel route every single week, you know. And so they just there's just nobody that's taken a step in the right direction on the defense this year. Nobody. Yeah. So, no. I I think that's that to me is the thing that's so maddening is like how does everybody play worse uh there's there's not an exception and you know obviously coaching comes into play there I I do think that the the I think the guy I mean to me though the two most disappointing guys are are Allen and Payne where they just they've been they haven't been good and and effective and it does lead to the question of like next year what do you want to do with those guys as John Allen is being very honest and human and saying, of course I've thought about playing somewhere else. Why would I keep wanting to do this? I, t- yeah, I don't fault yeah. him for saying that. That is an incredibly human thought. And if he's not thinking that, it, that's actually, to me, a bigger problem. Um, of course he should want to win. Um, and, right. you know, you got to just be a part of the solution, ultimately, if you're going to be here. But, yeah. like, did those guys suddenly become bad football players? Or is is there something larger at play? And 
I, I think for yeah. them, it's harder to understand what the larger thing at play might have been. Here's what I think. I mean, again, I wrote this the other day. I think John Allen's been kind of nicked all year. I don't he's I, hurt in preseason. Yeah. I don't think he's ever been 100% all year. That's just me. I could be wrong. I, I well, I think at the very least, like that injury set him back, and he's never caught up. If not, yeah. still bothering him. Yeah, I agree, and so that's what I think with him. I think it's a combination of that, and you know, post trades. Why on earth would you spend any time worrying about what any of the defensive ends are doing? You know, you're just going to double Allen in pain as much as you can and limit their effectiveness getting up the field and being disruptive and doing the things that they normally are able to do because you do have to pay some attention to Montez Sweat or Chase Young. You know, I, um, and so I think that's, that's at least part of why they've been ineffective. But the bottom line is they've been ineffective. I mean, you're exactly right. They have not been anything approaching the forces they were the previous two or three years inside. Um, and that's, you know, they're the, they're the catalyst. Now to your question about Jonathan Allen, I, you know, like I, I don't think the solution is just trade everybody and start over and, you know, go three and 12 for the next three and 15 or whatever the record would be for the next three years. I don't think that's the solution either. Um, I'd like to think you could fix, you could at least try to start to fix this, but Having said that, Craig, if there's one area where maybe they can say, look, we've got a little bit of depth, it's the defensive line, especially defensive tackle. You do have Fedarian Mathis. You do have Ridgeway there. You do have guys that are, you know, solid players, if not superstars. So if you wanted to move one of Allen or Payne for whatever reason, I mean, you could do that and not suffer catastrophic losses in that particular position group. Um, I don't know that I would want to do that because you had an you're not going to replace Jonathan Allen with somebody better than Jonathan Allen right, right now. You know, like, unless you use that fifth pick in the draft on somebody on the defensive line, which would make absolutely no sense, right? I think we all agree on that. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I mean, but, again, the bottom line is they haven't, gone, they haven't gone up. Certainly none of the ends that replaced Young and Payne have gone up or Sweat have gone up. Um, have done anything. They have one sack the last three games. Um, you know, we've talked about the linebackers. I, you know, Barton, I don't think Barton's been as bad as people make him out to be, but he certainly hasn't, you know, moved the needle, obviously, in any meaningful way. Sure. Um, and then the secondary, I just don't know what to make out of that. Make, what to make of that. I don't know what. I, I, I'm not qualified to, to break down exactly, but all I can tell you is what I see. And I don't see anybody you know, playing the position confidently or quickly. There's a lot of, it just seems like it's the same overthinking, playing slow, flipping, you know, two guys go to one guy, one guy's wide open. Like it's again, every week, every week, every week, it's the same thing. Yes. No, then that is, uh, the definition of insanity. Uh, they've kept trying the same thing, expecting a different result, and it's driven us all insane. Uh, David Aldridge yeah. is with us here on the Hoffman Show. Of course, senior columnist at The Athletic, writing about D.C. sports. Uh, we'll also get to some NBA stuff with D.A. in just a moment. But I, I do want to circle back to Howell, because you you sound like you've kind of made up your mind on on what you think of him. So what is that mm-hmm. as we project forward on, on Sam Howell? I think Sam Howell has a chance to be a top half of the league quarterback, right? Like if, if you, if you improve the things again, on both sides of the ball, because defense helps him too, right? I mean, you have to fix the defense to help Sam Howell too. Um, 
but if you made enough right picks and you signed enough right free agents to fix enough of the team going forward, I think Sam Howell's ceiling is he's somewhere in the top half, right? Can he be top 10? It's probably, that may not be his ceiling, but would you live with a top 12 quarterback? Of course you would. Why wouldn't you? Like, I mean, I would. I'd be well, fine especially if the next couple of years he's on the deal that Sam's going to be on. Exactly, exactly. And that's the, that's the biggest selling point in, in his candidacy for this, right, is, is his contract. Um, but I do think he's made a lot of progress. He's made some really good throws. I think he's worked on getting the ball out faster. Um, you know, does he still make mistakes? Yes, um, lots of them. But it's not without hope at that position. Now, you can make the argument, Craig, and I'm sure many will, that if they wind up with a top three pick, they have to take one of the quarterbacks. You can make that argument. Um, I'm not sure I agree with that. I think there's a chance for him to get better going forward. Um, and, but here's the rub. Here's the, problem that, here's the problem with it. I don't know that he gets better unless he's with the enemy for another year. You know what I mean? Like, and the reasoning is like, I think this team has been part of why this team has struggled so much is that the, the lack of continuity from year to year is just staggering. You know, like there's just been very few positions other than Nate Kayser with special teams where they've had the same guy for more than three years in the same system. And everybody knows what they, what they are supposed to do. Um, and to, to give Sam Howell, not to even mention poor Terry McLaurin, you know, yet another offensive system that he has to learn now, you know, and then, you know, it just, boy, I don't know that that's going to make a, I don't think that makes a lot of sense either. Now it's not all in their control with the enemy. Of course he can leave, you know, if he's, if he's up for an NFL job or a college head coaching job and he wants to leave, he can leave. Um, but, but with the how question to me, it's like, yeah, would, would, would Ben Johnson be able to help him? Yes, of course. I'm not saying that. Eric Bieniemy is the only guy that can coach him. I'm saying that the progress they've made in this system this year, I would like to see them build on that for once, as opposed to starting over and having the same growing pains again next year because you have a new offensive coordinator again. I mean, that would be three in three years. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. I hear you. I would say the good news on that front is they run a West Coast system, which the person they're going to hire. I would assume would also run a West Coast system. Like if you're getting someone well, off I, the Shanahan tree, so, but we don't know that. I mean, I, I would like to think you're right, but we don't know that because we don't know the GM is going to be, do we? Sure, sure. We don't. We don't know. But if yeah. we look at the top candidates and the names that are bantied about on the offensive side of the ball, it's your Ben Johnson. He's the number one candidate everywhere, and I think right. these guys are going to be in the mix to get him, which is great. Um, obviously, yeah. there's a pull of home in Charlotte, and uh, he's, he's a Carolina guy. He's going to potentially have Justin Herbert to work with. Um, he's going to yeah. have Caleb Williams and a bunch of money in Chicago. But I, th- I think yeah. working for Josh Harris is appealing. And if you like Sam Howell, that's appealing. And But you're also looking at like Bobby Slowick in Houston and what he's done with C.J. Stroud uh, yeah. and, and some of yeah. the other folks off of the Shanahan, McVay, whatever tree. Um, that I think would be McDaniel, by the way. This Miami staff's got some potential future head coaches on it, and they run that same West Coast system with similar terminology, similar route concepts that are just hopefully detailed up a lot better. And also, I, I think the thing that I struggle with with the enemy, DA, 
is how much he put on Sam this year. Like, I, I don't like the fact that he's leading the NFL in passing attempts. I think that's a terrible way to treat a young quarterback, uh, and it hinders his development, and they've been trying to sell us this growth and development thing all year, which clearly everyone mm-hmm. is sick of at this point, um, yeah. internally, nevertheless externally. But I actually don't yeah. know that they helped him as much as they could because of the the system that he was in this year, this version of it that Biennemi ran. I mean, look, I don't disagree with you that they probably throw the ball way too much, right? For any quarterback, much less a young one, right? Um, But we know where Eric Biennemi came from. I heard this for 12 years in Philadelphia, like, and he throws the ball too much. Like, that's just those people from the Andy Reid system tend to throw the ball too much. Like, that's just kind of – that's just kind of baked into how they see the world of of football, you know? And so – um, yeah, I mean, they probably did drop him back too much, especially early, obviously, when he, when he probably didn't have enough um, of an understanding of, of shifting protections and calling things out at the line that could help him. I mean, just getting the ball out faster, you know. Um, I think they did uh, make adjustments to it, and they've gotten better at it. You know, and again, it's Eric Bannon's first year too, right? So, I mean, I, I think some grace has to be extended to him as well, you know, like – Everybody acts like, well, we all we know everything we need to know about Eric Bieniemy. This is his first year as an offensive coordinator, first, and so he he gets the opportunity to make mistakes and grow and learn too. I would like to think, you know. So, um, but we'll see. You know, again, it's a four and nineteen. There is nothing. There's no sacred cow anywhere <laughs> in this organization. And I'm not going to be mad at any at, at Josh Harris or anybody to say no. We're all of you can go, you know, totally, um, totally. So, so, but, but but in terms of your question about how I would just like to see a little continuity going forward to see how much better they can get. And maybe the answer is they can't get any better. I don't know, but I'd like to see. Yeah. I I think this year will benefit the in the future, no matter where he is, whether he gets to apply what he's learned here or elsewhere. TBD. All right, last but not least with DA, of course, uh, the Pro Basketball Hall of Famer, uh, former Kurt Gowdy Award winner. Actually, DA, is that something – did I say that correctly? Are you a former Kurt Gowdy Award winner, or are you just – once you're it, you're it. You're a Kurt Gowdy no, Award I mean, winner. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm still a Kurt Gowdy Award winner. Yeah, that's true. I just didn't know if it's like you were you wanted an X year and such – it's phrased that way. Then I realized that probably wasn't correct. You're still in the Hall of Fame. That's good enough for me. Like Pat Sullivan won the Heisman. He's not a former Heisman Trophy winner. He just won it in 1970. You know, there I did not know that uh, 1970, but that's a me thing. Uh, that's wait, that's fine. I only well, wait. I think it was 70 or was it 71? Was you know what? I don't. I don't think anyone's counting. Uh, the point is. <laughs> David knows as much about the NBA as anyone. He's in the Pro Basketball Hall of Fame. He's Kurt Gowdy Award winner. Um, and and DA, last night was fun as hell watching these quarterfinals uh, in the NBA's in-season tournament. I, I, I don't know where you were at the start of this is in terms of the idea, the concept. So where were you on the in-season tournament? And after seeing yeah. how invested the players were, nevertheless, fans and the excitement it brought in the building last night, what do you think of, of this concept and how it's worked in year one? Right, right. Well, I mean, look, I was in Indy last night for that game, and it was phenomenal. It was great. I mean, you know, and I wrote that this is, you know, for all the things that the NBA has tried to, you know, package about this in-season tournament, just kind of one of the only issue I have with the in-season tournament, Craig, is not the idea of the in-season tournament. It is the NBA doing what the NBA always does when it tries to market something 
and insist that you love it or you don't like basketball. You know what I mean? Like it just mm. comes you on the head with in season tournament. You've got to get excited about this or you hate puppies. You know what I mean? Like, that's, <laughs> that's how they do it. You know, they just bang you on with it for weeks and weeks and weeks, you know. Um, but you know, it's it's been good. I think it's been a, a net plus. And the other thing is I just wish they would acknowledge that the reason they're doing this is because they want to sell this for a billion dollars to somebody. And that's okay. Just say it. You know, just be honest about why you're, why you're pumping this thing. Um, so, but Halliburton was great. It was a great atmosphere. The crowd was into it. He played great. I think, I thought it was a very competitive game. The tournament's been good. I think it's been good uh, for the most part. Um, you know, I think uh, Jalen Brown was honest yesterday at shoot around. He was like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to hold my answer until the end of the season. <laughs> so, so he, he didn't dismiss it out of hand, but he was not all rah-rah. He was just the best thing that ever happened. Um, but it's been, I think it's been generally good. Uh, it's been generally good to get um, give the players something to break up the monotony of a long season. I think that's, that is a fair criticism and a fair reality about you know, any sports league, but certainly NBA, NHL, baseball, it's a long season. It gets tedious, you know, and, and to give them something additionally to kind of compete for and get their compete juices going. And that to me is, has been a, a net plus is that I think more guys competitive nature, and these are the most competitive people on earth. Um, I think that's a good thing to get them to kind of go, hey, let's as long as we're here, let's try to win this thing, you know. And so I think that that that's been a plus. And so I can't I can't knock it. I think it's been pretty good. Um, again, um, there was good basketball in November before the end season tournament, and that's just kind of like what what concerns me is this notion that it's only the end season tournament that makes guys play hard in November. No, a lot of guys play hard in November. You're just not paying attention because you're watching football. And that's okay, but don't denigrate them because you're not interested in it. You know what right. I mean? So um, that's my that would be my my concern about it. Um, but in the main, I think it's been pretty good. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's been fun when you get to see these guys and their their care level turned up to like super as opposed to regular season, which is still highly competitive. But there's a different level, yeah. of course. Sure. Um, I think it's I think it's been really fun to watch. And yeah, Halliburton was insane last night. Uh, yeah. David Aldrich, the Kirk Gowdy Award winner, Basketball Hall of Famer, and senior columnist at The Athletic, where you can read his coverage from Indiana last night. You can read his coverage of the Commanders as well. DA, always a pleasure. Thank you, sir. And uh, I'll see you at FedEx again in a couple weeks. All right, Craig. Thank you for having me, sir. As always, it is our pleasure. That is David Aldridge with us here on the Hoffman Show. Linnell Willingham hops in studio next. It's time for an overreaction Tuesday.